0: Now we're rolling. Um, hello. Hello. Welcome to Infinite Cast. A So they say. First of all, thank you to everybody who sent us the uh, video sketch of those boys uh, doing, it's like game night, game day with the boys, yeah. Sunday with the boys, and everybody's sitting in jerseys on the couch with bandanas around their head, and then it pans over to the TV and they're watching like david foster wallace on charlie rose everybody's cheering somebody's going this is the water this is the water water. they have like two david foster wallace standees i love those boys those guys do great sketches i don't know any of their names i can't reference them at all but they have good little viral tiktoky sketches on uh they should be called the boys they could be they should be called the boys
1: um I, I don't know about you Chris but I feel I always feel great and like perceived in a good way whenever I'm tagged in stuff that is to my interest which seems to be these days mostly David Foster Wallace uh and hot, hot dogs mm-hmm. or corn dogs
0: occasionally some 80s hardcore mm-hmm. uh stuff
1: yeah stuff from the uh
0: Yes, uh, the musical. Uh, oh, party rock as well. Party getting rock. Tagged
1: into LMFAO stuff is good.
0: Uh, I sometimes get uh tagged into uh, Pod Save America, ephemerum. Nice. like th- those guys getting lightly owned.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, Paging
1: Paging Chris. <laughs> yeah. With an onage in aisle four.
0: Um. But let's get into it. I'm eating a sandwich, so apologies for eating noises, but I will do nothing to fix it.
1: Oh my God, Chris! Don't torture these people no, with mastication. I'll, tr- I'll try uh. to keep it a whim. There's a, isn't misophobia where um, people don't like mouth sounds? Yes. Yeah. Don't trigger the misophobics. All right. Mothers. Well, I won't. Just try, just eat a bite and then hold your microphone away. <laughs> yes, that's what I'm going to do. Chewing. Sorry. I don't know why I'm coaching you in this way. Speaking of coaching, let's go back into the text. Yes. We're in the middle of Oren uh, explaining his defection from college tennis to college football. The real football reason in all its inevitable real reason banality was that over the course of weeks of dawns uh, of watching the auto sprinklers and the pep squad, which really really did practice at dawn practices, Orrin had developed a horrible schoolboy grade crush, complete with dilated pupils. I think I read this already, but whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. And weak knees for a certain big haired sophomore baton twirler. He watched twirl and strut from a distance through the diffracted spectrum of the plumed sprinklers all the way across the field's dewy turf. A twirler who'd attended a few of the all-athletic team mixers, Orin and his strabismic BU doubles partner. Strabismic, <laughs> of course, is uh your eyes uh, go in two different directions, Okay. Um, which Cross perhaps eye. would suggest that uh, he's not that Great of a tennis player, mm-hmm. certainly not a doubles player, uh, had gone to and who danced the same way she twirled and invoked mass pep, which is to say, in a way that seemed to turn everything solid in Oren's body, watery and distant and oddly refracted. Oren and Condenza, who, like many children of raging alcoholics and OCD sufferers, had internal addictive sexuality issues, uh, had already drawn idle little sideways eights on the post-coital flanks of a dozen BU co-eds. But this was different. He'd been smitten before, but not decapitated. (laughs) He lay on his bed in the autumn PMs during the tennis coach's required nap time, squeezing a tennis ball (laughs) and talking. (laughs) Think about it. I'm pretty sure ETA never had required nap time. Required nap
0: time for college students is pretty funny. It's cute.
1: Squeezing a tennis ball and talking for hours about this twirling, sprinkler-obscured sophomore while his doubles partner lay way on the other side of the huge bed, looking simultaneously at Oren and at the N.E. leaves changing color in the trees outside the window. The schoolboy epithet they'd made up to refer to Oren's twirler was the P-G-O-A-T for the prettiest girl of all time. P-G-O-A-T. P-G-O-A-T. It wasn't the entire attraction, but she really was almost grotesquely lovely. She made the moms look like the sort of piece of fruit you'd think you want to take out of the bin, and but then once you're right there over the bin, you put back because from close up, you can see a much fresher and less preserved seeming piece of fruit elsewhere in the bin. Why would he be comparing a girl he has a crush on to his mom? Mm. The twirler was so pretty that not even the senior BU football terriers could summon the saliva to speak to her at, at athletic mixers. In fact, she was almost universally shunned. The twirler induced in heterosexual males what UHID later told her was termed the acteon complex, which is a kind of deep phylogenic fear of transhuman beauty. <laughs> About all Oren's doubles partners, who as a strabismic was something of an expert on female unattainability, <laughs> felt he could do was warn O that this was the kind of hideously attractive girl you just knew in advance did not associate with normal collegiate human males and clearly attended BU athletics social functions. Only only out of a sort of bland scientific interest, while she waited for the cleft-chinned, Ascapartic male model, looking wildly successful in business, adult male, she doubtless was involved with, to telephone her from the back seat of his green stretch Infinity, etc. <laughs> uh, phone, car-, car phone,
0: stretch Infinity.
1: <laughs> no major sport player had ever even orbited in close enough to hear the elisions and epic. Apical lapses of a mid-southern accent in her oddly flat but resonant voice that sounded like someone enunciating very carefully inside a soundproof enclosure. When she danced at dances, it was with other cheerleaders and twirlers and pep squad terriorettes because no male had the grit or spit to ask her. Orrin himself couldn't get closer than four meters at parties because he suddenly couldn't figure out where to put the stresses in the Charles Tavis unwittingly inspired describe the sort of man you find attractive and I'll affect the demeanor of that sort of man strategic opening that had worked so well on other BU subjects. It took three hearings for him to figure out that her name wasn't Joel. The big hair... The big hair was red gold, and the skin peachy chin tinged pale, and arms freckled, and zygomatics indescribable, and her eyes an extra natural, natural HD green. He wouldn't learn that till later. Uh, Is that
0: HD like high def? High def, I Which believe. I he feel wouldn't like that's learn. That's an early appearance of of, that, of high definition of HD. He I wonder when that came around. Anyway, uh, anyway that's an <laughs>
1: He wouldn't learn till later that the almost pungently clean line dried laundry scent that hung about her was a special low pH dandelion attar decocted special by her chemist daddy in shiny prize, Kentucky.
0: (laughs) Shiny prize.
1: (laughs) Boston University's tennis team, needless to say, had neither cheerleaders nor baton twirling pep squads, which were reserved for major and large crowd sports. This is pretty understandable. The tennis coach took Oren's decision hard, and Oren had had to hand him a Kleenex and stand there for several minutes under the poster of an avuncular Big Bill Tilden standing there in World War II-era long white pants and ruffling a ball boy's hair, Oren watching the Kleenex soggify and get holes blown through it while he tried to articulate just what he meant by burned out and withered husk and carrot. (laughs) <laughs> the coach had kept asking if this meant Oren's mother wouldn't be coming down to watch practice anymore. Uh, <laughs> Oren's now former doubles partner, a Strabismic and faggy sweater, but basically decent guy who also happened to be heir to the Nickerson Farm's meat facsimile fortune, <laughs> had his cleft chinned and solidly BU connected dad make a couple quick calls from the back seat of his Forest Green Lexus. BU's head football coach, the Boss Terrier, an exiled Oklahoman who really did wear a gray crewneck sweatshirt with a whistle on a string, was intrigued by the size of the left forearm and hand extended, impolitely but intriguingly, during introductions. This was Orrin's tennis arm, roughly churn-sized. The other, whose dimensions were human, was hidden under a sport coat draped strategically over the aspiring walk-on's right shoulder." But you can't play U.S. football with a draped sport coat. And Oren's only real speed was in tiny three meter lateral bursts. And then it turned out that the idea of actually making direct physical contact with an opponent was so deeply ingrained as alien and horrific that Orin's tryouts, even at reserve positions, were too pathetic to describe. He was called a drag ass, and then a molly gag, and then a bona fide pussy. He was finally told that he seemed to have some kind of empty swinging sack where his balls ought to be and that if he wanted to keep his scholarship, he might ought to stick to minor type sports where what you hit didn't end, didn't up and hit you back. (laughs) The coach finally actually grabbed Oren's face mask and pointed to the mouth of the field's southern tunnel. Oren walked south off the field solo and disconsolate. Helmet under his little right arm, with not even a wistful glance back at the Pep Squad's pea goat practicing baton aloft splits in a heart rendingly distant way beneath the visitor's northern goalposts. What Metro Boston AAs are trite but correct about is that both Destiny's kisses and its dope slaps illustrate an individual person's basic personal powerlessness over the really meaningful events in
0: his life. Which takes us to <laughs> Endo
1: Which takes us to Endo one hundred.
0: Hey, end of 100. We made it.
1: The way a white flagger formulates this, e.g., is that 99% of what goes on in one's life is actually none of one's business, with (laughs) the (laughs) 0.1% under one's control consisting mostly of the option to accept or deny one's inevitable powerlessness over the other 99.9%, which, just trying to parse this out, makes Don Gately's forehead turn purple. (laughs) Back to the text.
0: There was a big article in jacobin this week about addiction and recovery and yeah. um aa and its effectiveness or rather lack of effectiveness right uh i didn't read it but maybe we should read it and talk yeah, about it on, the, we should. on this thing there's also Mac, um matt contributed to it oh really yeah
1: the uh um the creative independent which is kickstarter's like editorial thing just published a zine about sobriety in the music industry interesting um which had some interesting stuff that i actually did start reading uh, meaningful events in his life, i.e. almost nothing important that ever happens to you happens because you engineer it. Destiny has no beeper. Destiny always leans trench-coated out of an alley with some sort of... Pss- that you usually can't even hear because you're in such a rush to or from something important you've tried to engineer. My God. <laughs> 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 the destiny-grade event that happened to Oren and Condensa at this point was that just as he was passing glumly under the home goalpost and entering the shadow of the south exit tunnels at it, a loud and ominously orthopedic cracking sound, plus then shrieking, issued from somewhere on the field behind him. What had happened was that BU's best defensive tackle, a 180-kilo future pro who had no teeth and liked to color, (laughs) practicing special teams' punt rushes, not only blocked BU's varsity punter's kick, but committed a serious mental error and kept coming and crashed into the little padless guy while the punter's cleared foot cleated foot was still up over his head, falling on him in a beefy heap and snapping everything from femur to tarsus in Ooh. the punter's leg with a dreadful high-caliber snap. Mm. Two pe- pep majorettes and a water boy fainted from the sound of the punter's screams alone. The blocked punt's ball caromed hard off the defensive tackle's helmet and bounced crazily and rolled untended all the way back to the shadow of the south tunnel where Oren had turned to watch the punter writhe and the lineman rise with a finger in his mouth and a guilty expression. The defensive line coach disconnected his headset and dashed out and began blowing his whistle at the lineman at extremely close <laughs> range over and over as the huge tackle started to cry and hit himself in the forehead with the heel of his hand. Since nobody else was close, Orrin picked up the blocked punts ball, which the head coach was gesturing impatiently for from his position at the midfield bench orin held the football which he'd not been very good at it during tryouts holding on to it (laughs) feeling its weird oval weight and looked way upfield at the stretcher bearers and punter and assistants and coach it was too far to try to throw and there was just no way orin was making another solo walk up the sideline and then back off the field again under the distant green gaze of the twirler who owned his cns Uh, Orrin before that seminal moment, had never tried to kick any sort of ball before in his whole life, uh, was the engineer, uh, uh, was the unengineered and kind of vulnerable revelation that ended up moving Joel Van Dyne way more than status or hang time. And, but as of that moment, as whistles fell from lips and people pointed, and under that same green and sprinkler-hazed gaze, Oren found for himself, within competitive U.S. football, a new niche and carrot a show-type career he could have never dreamed of trying to engineer. Within days, he was punting 60 yards without a rush, practicing solo on an outside field with a special teams assistant, a dreamy, galois-smoking man who invoked ideas of sky and flight and called Oren a feeb, which a discreet phone call to his younger youngest brother revealed not to be the insult Oren had feared it sounded like. My, yes.
0: I'm just... It, it, I, I'm... Admiring how Wallace has f- very accurately pointed out what a weird job being an, a a football punter is because you're a part yeah. of the team, yes, but you're not part of the team because you have to do one you have to do one thing that is very removed from the game, very
1: different from every other part yeah. of football. It's and
0: like you're not like maybe once a game you're in an active play where people are actually rushing you; otherwise, you're just like sitting at the top. Or maybe, I don't a know, like, a times ham- a like three or four times a game. Yeah. But but mainly it's just like get the ball, kick it as far you, as you can. Yeah. That's it.
1: And then don't get crushed by the, by the, the big offensive man. or the defensive team or whatever. Yeah. Uh, totally. Also, the weirdness of being a coach.
0: Uh, all of these coaches are sickos. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. The, all the coaches are <laughs> blowing his whistle at very close range. <laughs> uh, feels very, uh, I was just talking to my mom about this yesterday. Uh, Nick, Nick Carraway from uh, uh, Great Gatsby. Both within and without. Both within and without. That is the punter. Midwestern. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, By the second week, O was up around 65 yards, still without a snap or rush, his rhythm clean and faultless, his concentration on the transaction between one foot and one leather egg almost frighteningly total. Nor, by the third week, was he much distracted by the ten crazed pituitary giants bearing down (laughs) as he took the snap and stepped forward, the gasps and crunching and meaty splats of interpersonal contact around him, the coolie type shuffle of the stretcher bearers who came and went after the whistles blew. He'd been taken aside, and the empty scrotum crack apologized for, and it had been explained, complete with blow-ups of rulebook pages, that regulations against direct physical contact with the punter were draconian, uh, enforced by the threat of massive yardage and loss of possession. The (laughs) rifle shot sounds of the ex-punter's now useless leg were one in a million sounds, he was assured, The head coach let Oren overhear him telling the defense that any man misfortunate enough to impact the team's new stellar punt man might could just keep on walking after the play was over all the (laughs) way to the south tunnel and the stadium exit and the nearest transportation to some other institution of learning and ball. (laughs) It was pretty obviously the start of football season. Crisp air, everything half dead, burning leaves, hot chocolate, Raccoon coats and halftime twirling and something called the wave crowds exponentially larger and more demonstrative than uh, demonstrative Demonstrative. (laughs) tennis tournament crowds home versus SUNY Buffalo home versus Syracuse at Boston College at Rhode Island home versus the despised Minutemen of UMass Amherst. Mm. Oren's average reached sixty nine yards per kick nice, nice, and was still improving his eyes fixed on the twin inducements of a gleaming baton and a massive developmental carrot he hadn't felt since age fourteen. He punted the football better and better as his motion <laughs> a dancerly i, I like
0: i uh, this is from a video, but I liked the thing of him relating all the things that were in the narrative to the coach as reasons that he wanted to quit and the coach coaches being there like what are you talking about <laughs> the kid the, he was t- as he tried to explain the carrots <laughs> <to> the <laughs> <laughs> the coach. uh finally i don't know what you
1: mean boy carrot what are yeah. you talking about carrot
0: uh i've turned who in catch Twenty Two. i know i only bring up like three books he keeps talking about feather. men will literally only read three books uh uh ke uh, one of the guys keeps talking about feathers and black eyes because he categorizes everything as feathers in his cap or a black eye um, either like uh you know something that's like a proud something to be proud of or an embarrassment yeah yeah i always that's think funny. about that the, that's my version of carrots carrots and whatever is mm-hmm. is thinking to myself is this a feather or a black eye
1: nice rose or a thorn yeah uh He punted the football better and better as his motion, a dancerly combination of moves and weight transfers, every bit as complex and precise as a kick serve, got more instinctive, and he found his hamstrings and adductors loosening through constant and high-impact competitive punting, his left cleat finishing at 90 degrees to the turf, knee to his nose, rockette kicking in the midst of crowd noise so rabid and entire it seemed to remove stadium's air, the one huge, wordless, orgasmic voice rising and creating a vacuum that sucked the ball after it into the sky, the leather egg receding as it, had, as it climbed in a perfect spiral, seeming to chase the very crowd roar it had produced. By Halloween, his control was even better than his distance. It wasn't by accident that the special team's assistant described it as touch. Consider that a football field is basically just a grass tennis court tugged unnaturally long and that white lines at complex right angles still define tactics and movement, the very possibility of play, and that Orin and Condensa who tennis historically had had mediocre passing shots and been indicted by Stitt for depending way too often on the lob he developed as compensation. Like the equally weak-passing eschaton prodigy Michael Pemulus after him, Orrin's whole limited game had been built around a preternatural lob, which, of course, a lob is just a higher-than-opponent parabola that ideally lands just shy of the area of play's rear boundary and is hard to retrieve and return. Gerhard Stitt and DeLint and their depressed pro-rectors had had to e- sit eating butterless popcorn <laughs> through only one cartridge of one BU game to understand how Oren had found his major sport niche. Oren was still just only lobbing, Shtit observed, illustrating with the pointer and a multiple replayed fourth down, but now with the leg instead, the only punting, <laughs> and now with ten armored and testosterone-flushed factota to deal with whatever r- return an opponent could muster. Stitt posited that Oren had stumbled by accident on a way in this grotesquely physical and territorial U.S. game to legitimate the same dependency on the one shot of lob that had kept him from developing the courage to develop his weaker areas, which this unwillingness to risk the temporary failure and weakness for long-term gaining had been the real herbicide on the carrot of what and Condenses tennis. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: You know, I keep <sighs> I keep thinking of uh, the a-, a possible adaptation. I think like a TV miniseries would be good. But you know what? This would be really great as graphic novel.
1: I was I was just talking to Eric Thurm last night and pitching him uh, this on an anime. I do think uh, Infinite Jest
0: should be an anime, an maybe an a anime, manga. Yeah, an anime or a manga. That's um, the
1: only way, because all of these things are like so superhuman.
0: They're superhuman, but they're it's also like very visual. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the visual of needs...
1: Orin like doing the perfect punt, and then you see like little scenes of like shit watching
0: the video. Yeah, watching the cartridge and commenting on oh, He's still just lobbing. Ba- yeah, yeah. He's, still,
1: the... he's still just lobbing. Yeah, at you the could end do a, like
0: this whole thing. And I, this is a way that you could do the whole the whole book in, in you know, you would do have because little these scenes, scenes because the this Infinite would be Gist. like The Infinite Gist. Because it would be like a full page spread that's just Orin doing one perfect kick and then little bubbles. Of the things around it, with like a few lines of, of dialogue. It. That's yeah. like, yeah, a little like uh, in the upper right. It's like uh, Joelle twirling, and it's like a few lines of text about in the perfect twirls as a blah 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 blah. And then yeah, the little cutout scene of shtit and the other tennis coaches watching on a tennis on a uh, yeah. cartridge back at uh, yeah. and uh Enfield, you know, s- silently eating popcorn and, and Riley commenting, he's still just lobbing. You he's she. still
1: just lobbing. That's so um, true. God, I yeah. wish I could draw.
0: Yeah. Man. I think that that would be a great way to do that, and you could so like it would break up, and you know, the smaller scenes could be like ser- standard series of panels, but you could use those big splash pages yeah. to, to illustrate these kind of things that are moments, or like um, with uh, all the little details, Joel yeah.
1: o- ODing in the bathroom, yeah, as like yeah, bit, you know, with with uh, you see like the apartment floor plan, like meanwhile, yeah. so her friend dressed as Karl Marx is, yeah, and I, I would do that as
0: maybe series of one pages with like each like. Because he, as he described the specific like tasks that she does to prepare the thing, like each is yeah. like a full page yeah. illustrating one action that she's making,
1: mm-hmm. with
0: attendant little breakouts about it. Anyway, uh, someone who could draw should do this.
1: Yes, I'll commission it. Uh, where, where am I? Boop boop boop. Um, pu- puberty schmuberty <laughs> uh, as the real reason for burning down the inside fire for tennis. Shit new. Shtit's remarks were nodded. By the way, Schmuberty has an, an umlaut. Shtit's remarks were nodded vigorously at and largely ignored in the viewing room. Uh, Stitt later told DeLint he had several very bad feelings about Oren's future inside. <laughs> but so by freshman Halloween, Oren was regularly placing his punts inside the opponent's twenty spinning the ball off his cleats laces so it either hit and squiggled outside the white sideline and out of play or else landed on its point and bounced straight up and seemed to squat in the air, hovering and spinning, waiting for some downfield terrier to kill it just by touching. The special team's assistant told Oren that these were historically called coffin corner kicks (laughs) and that Oren and Condenza was the best natural coffin corner man he'd lived to see. He almost had to smile. Oren's full-ride scholarship was renewed under the aegis of a brutaler but way more popular North American sport than competitive tennis. This was after the second home game, around the sa- the time that a certain actinizingly pretty baton twirler, invoking mass pep during breaks in the action, seemed to begin somehow directing her glittering sideline routines at Oren in particular. So and then, the only really cardiac-grade romantic relationship of Oren's life took bilateral route at a distance during games without one exchanged personal phoneme, a love communicated across grassy expanses against stadium's monovocal roar entirely through stylized repetitive motions, his functional, hers celebratory, their respective little dances of devotion to the spectacle they were both in their different <laughs> roles trying to make as entertaining as possible. That was broken up, by the way, with uh, M-dashes, which to me feels... a. Uh, a little um, a little Ulysses like Oh yeah, uh, it, felt, it felt a little uh, Joycean. But so the point was that the accuracy came after the distance. In his first couple games, Orrin had approached his fourth down task as one of simply kicking the ball out of sight and past hope of return. The dreamy ST assistant said this was a punter's natural pattern of growth and development. Your raw force tends to precede your control. In his initial home start, Wearing a padless uniform that didn't fit and a wide receiver's number, he was summoned when BU's first drive stalled on the 40 of a Syracuse team that had no idea it was in its last season of representing an American university. (laughs) A side issue. College sport analysts would later use the game to contrast the beginning and the end of different eras. But a side issue. (laughs) Uh, Oren had a book long of 73 yards that day and an average hang of 8-point-something seconds but that first official punt exhilarated the carrot, the pea goat, the monovocal roll, a roar of a major sport crowd. He sent over the head of the orangeman back wait, waiting to receive it, over the goalposts and the safety nets behind the goalposts, over the first three sections of seats, and into the lap of an emeritus theology professor in row 52 who needed opera glasses to make out the play itself. It went in the book as 40 yards, uh, that baptismal competitive punt. It was really almost a 90-yard punt and had the sort of hang time the special team's assistant said. You could have tender and sensitive intercourse during. (laughs) The sound of the podiatric impact had silenced a major sport crowd and a retired USMC flyer who always came with petroleum jelly samples he hawked to the knuckle-chapped crowds in the Nickerson stands, told his cronies in a Brookline watering hole after the game that this kid, kid, this Incondenza kid's first public punt had sounded just the way Rolling Thunder's big-bellied Berthas had sounded, the exaggerated <laughs> whump of incendiary tonnage way larger than life. After four weeks... That's a short story in itself, yes. man. After four weeks, Orrin's success at kicking big egg-shaped balls was way past anything he'd accomplished hitting little round ones. Granted, the tennis and eschaton hadn't hurt, but it wasn't all athletic, this affinity for the public punt. It wasn't all just high-level competitive training and high-pressure experience transported intersport. sport He told Joelle Van Dyne, she of the accent and baton and brain-locking beauty, told her in the course of an increasingly revealing conversation after kind of amazingly she had approached him at a Columbus Day major sport function and asked him to autograph a squishy-sided football he'd kicked a hole through in practice... The deflated bladder had landed in the marching terrier's sousaphone player's sousaphone and been handed over to Joelle after extrication by the lardy tubist, sweaty and dumb under the girl's imploringly imploring gaze. Asked him, Oren now also suddenly damp and blank on anything attractive to say or recite, asked him in an emptily resonant drawl to inscribe the punctured thing for her own personal daddy, one Joe Lawn Van Dyne of Shiny Prize, Kentucky, and she said also of the dyne Reiny Proton Donor Reagent Corporation of near, nearby Boaz, Kentucky, and engaged him, oh, in a slowly, decreasingly one-sided social function-type conversation. <laughs> the pea goat was pretty easy to stay in a one-to-one like tete-a-tete with since no other terrier could bring himself within four meters of her and Oren gradually found himself almost meeting her eye as he shared that he believed it wasn't all athletic, punting's poll for him, that a lot of it seemed emotional, and slash or even, if there was such a thing anymore, spiritual, Mm. a denial of silence. Here were upwards of 30,000 voices, souls, voicing approval as one soul. He invoked the raw numbers, the frenzy. He was thinking out loud here. Audience exhortations and approvals so total they cease to be numerically distinct and melded into a sort of single coital moan, one big vowel, the sound of the womb, the roar gathering, (laughs) tidal, title, amniotic, the voice of what might as well be God.
0: He likes the pep.
1: None of tennis's... She does
0: a good job on the pep squad.
1: (laughs) Yeah, none of tennis's prim applause cut short by an umpire's patrician shush. He said he was just speculating here, ad-libbing. He was meeting her eye and not drowning. His dread now transformed into whatever it had been dread of. He said the sound of all those souls as one sound, too loud to bear, building, waiting for his foot to release it. Orrin said the thing he thought he liked was he literally could not hear himself think out there. Maybe a cliche, but out there transformed, his own self transcended, as he'd never escaped himself on the court. A sense of a presence in the sky. The crowd sound congregational. The sh- stadium shaking climax as the ball climbed and inscribed a cathedral arch <laughs> <laughs> seemingly taking forever to fall It never even occurred to him to ask her what sort of demeanor she preferred. He didn't have to strategize or even scheme. Later, he knew what the dread had been a dread of. He hadn't had to promise her anything. it turned out it was all for free. By the end of his freshman fall and BU's championship of the Yankee Conference, plus its non victorious but still unprecedented appearance at Las Vegas's dignitary attended KLRMKI Forsythia Bowl. Oren had taken his off-campus housing subsidy and moved with Joel Van Dyne, the heart-stopping Kentuckian, into an East Cambridge co-op three subway stops distant from BU, and the all-new inconveniences of being publicly stellar at a major sport in a city where people beat each other to death in bars over stats and fealty.
0: (laughs) Joel? Hey, are you the the new uh, BU kid? (laughs) <laughs> hey kid, you kicked that ball real good. I'm doing <laughs> a terrible Boston accent. What is I don't a Boston know what accent? That is. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I don't know, man. <laughs> uh, Joel
1: had done the midnight Thanksgiving dinner at ETA and survived Avril, and then Oren spent his first Christmas ever away from home. Flying to Paducah and then drenching a rented 4WD to Kudzu Hung Shiny Prize, Kentucky to drink toddies under a little white reusable Christmas tree with all red balls with Joelle and her mother and personal daddy and his loyal pointers. getting a storm cellar tour of Joe Lon's incredible Pyrex collection of every solution in the known world that can turn blue litmus paper red, little red rectangles floating in the flasks for proof. (laughs) Oren nodding a lot and trying incredibly hard, and Joelle saying that Mr. Van D's not once smiling at him was just his way, was all, (laughs) was just his way, was all. The way his own moms had had her way Joelle had trouble with. Oren wired Marlon Bain, and Ross Reed and the strabismic Nickerson that he was all by indications in love with somebody. Oh, that's funny, Nickerson Field, the uh uh the strabismic doubles partner's last name was Nickerson. Nickerson he's that kind he's of patrician. The, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> that's funny.
1: That's like a uh, um Emily uh, oh God, the billionaire's daughter Emily whatever um who uh, Emily Harvard? No, she th- she was a. Uh, she. This was back during primary season, the woman who uh, was insulting Bernie, saying that he was sexist for even basically daring to run against Elizabeth Warren. Oh, yeah. Uh, She's the daughter of a billionaire and she had um, multiple buildings I- at Skidmore. Uh, oh, yes yes, yes,
0: yes, 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 yes.
1: Uh, I'm not going to be able to remember it. Uh she had a vegetable uh the, she had the vegetarian section of the dining hall named Emily's Garden after her.
0: Oh god, that's so embarrassing. The How rare, could you deal with that? The,
1: the rare person who didn't just have a last name uh complex. Emily's versus. Garden. Sussman, Emily Sussman.
0: Uh Sussman Hall.
1: Sussman uh apartments. Dorm or Sussman apartments. Yeah. Oh
0: god. How could you go to that school? I could never att- bear to attend a school that my name was on a building of. I would ju- I would simply die. I
1: would simply die. I would simply say, please don't name a building after me. My God, please, please don't, don't name, name a, a building little after garden. Me. No,
0: please don't name the vegetarian section.
1: The black bean wraps were very good. They were like crunch wraps. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm sorry, distracted.
0: Chris- Chris's snacks. you have to go get your fucking chips from the Chris's snacks thing how humiliating
1: Chris's snack hey meet me at Chris's snack bar for a quick bag of sun chips oh god before class
0: murder me murder
1: literally fucking kill me shoot me in the heart yeah yeah it do it it is like that sometimes for some people (laughs) Uh, he was by all and then the
0: nerve to get on a a front facing video camera and and call Bernard Sanders a sexist a
1: sexist <sighs> uh, parody 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 anything anything further i say about someone like that no, we can't say it's not uh or was by all indications in love with somebody freshman new year's eve in shiny prize far from the onanite upheavals of the new northeast the last p.m before subsidization was the first time oran saw joelle ingest very small amounts of cocaine Orrin had exited his own substance phase about the time he discovered sex, <laughs> plus, of course, the n slash A N C A A urine considerations, and he declined it, the cocaine, but not in a judgmental or killjoy way, and found he liked being with his pea goat straight while she ingested. He found it exciting, a vicariously on-the-edge feeling he associated with giving yourself not to any one game's definition, but to yourself and how you unjudgmentally feel about uh, somebody who's high and feeling even freer and better than normal with you alone under the red balls. (laughs) They were a natural match here. Her ingestion then was recreational and he not only didn't mind but never made a show of not minding nor she that he abstained. The whole substance issue was natural and kind of free. Another reason they seem star-fated was that Joelle had, in her sophomore year, decided to concentrate in film-slash-cartridge academically at BU, either film-cartridge theory or film-cartridge production, or maybe both. The Pea goat was a film fanatic, though her tastes were pretty corporate. She told O she preferred movies where a whole bunch of shit blows up. <laughs> which takes us to End Note 101. Some of their earliest dates were watching big budget commercial films and Oren had one time completely unpremeditatedly told her it was a strange feeling watching commercial films with a girl who was prettier than the women in the films and she'd punched him hard in the arm in a way that just about drove him wild.
0: It's funny that uh, film, film theory, television, media is such a big part of this book and uh, he steadfastly does not name a movie or TV show.
1: The only TV shows he's named, of course, are the uh, Mr. Bouncy Bounce, which is a children's program that uh, Oren had mistook as, uh, or Oren's psychiatrist uh, sex partner had thought was like a, a documentary about schizophrenia, <laughs> and then um, Tawny Condo's uh, aerobics class. Yes, those are they, that's it. But and then of course James' film. James's films. James's films, of course, which are not normal. Which are not all. normal.
0: How mu- how much longer in this chapter?
1: A uh, page uh, and. Two, uh, two and a half pages. All right, let's go. Oren, in a low-key way, introduced her to art film, conceptual and highbrow academic avant and apres film, <laughs> and taught her how to use some of Interlace's more esoteric menus. He blasted up the hill to Enfield and brought down the mad stork's own prenuptial agreement of heaven and hell, which had a major impact on her. Right after mm. Thanksgiving, himself let the pea understudy with Leith on the set of the American Century as seen through a brick in return for getting to film her thumb against a a plucked string. After an only mildly disappointing sophomore season, O flew with her to Toronto to watch part of the filming of Blood Sister, One Tough Nun. Himself would take Oren and his beloved out after dailies, entertaining Joelle with his freakish gift for Canadian cab hailing, while Oren stood turtle-headed in his topcoat, and then later Oren would shepherd the two of them back to their Ontario Place Hotel, stopping the cab to let them both throw up, firemen carrying Joel while he watched the mad stork negotiate his suite by holding on to walls. Himself showed them the U-Toronto conference center where he and the moms had first met. This might have been the end's start, gradually, in hindsight. Joelle that summer declined a sixth summer at the Dixie Baton t- Baton Twirling Institute in <laughs> Oxford, Mississippi, <laughs> and let himself give her a stage name and use her in rapid succession in low-temperature civics, The Desire to Desire, and Safe Boating is No Accident. <laughs> Traveling with himself it, and it Mario. Is, it is
0: good that I vaguely remember all these titles yeah. from running through the, uh, That's the, the filmography. Thing. You, see
1: the, you see the end note, and then they start to appear, and you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Safe boating is no accident.
0: Safe boating is no accident. What is it? This this Ameri- The American century is seen through a brick? Is seen through a brick. <laughs>
1: uh, traveling with himself and Mario while Oren stayed in Boston recuperating from minor surgery on a hypertrophied left quadriceps at a Massachusetts general hospital where no fewer than four nurses and PTs in the sports medicine wing filed for legal separation from their husbands with custody. Mm. The Pegoat's real ambitions weren't thespian, Oren knew, is one reason he hung in so long. Joel, when he'd met her, already owned some modest personal film equipment, courtesy of her personal daddy. And she now had access to nothing if not serious digital gear. By Oren's sophomore years, she no longer twirled or incited Pep in any way. In his first full season, she stood behind various white lines with a little Bolex R32 digital recorder and BTL meters and lenses, including a bitching ingenue zoom owed, gone, and paid for as a gesture, and she shot little half-disc sector clips of number 78 BU punter, sometimes with lathe in attendance, never himself, experimenting with speed and focal length and digital mats, extending herself technically. Oren, despite his interest in upgrading the Pegoats' commercial taste, was himself pretty lukewarm on film and cartridges and theater, and pretty much anything that reduced him to herd-like spectation. But he respected Joel's own creative drives to an extent, and he found out that she, he really did like watching the football footage of Joel Van Dyne, featuring pretty much him only, strongly preferred the little .5 sector clips to himself cartridges or corporate films where things blew up while Joelle bounced in her seat and pointed <laughs> at the viewer. And he found them, her clips of him at play, way more engaging than the grainy, overcluttered game game-and-play celluloids the head coach made everybody sit through. Orrin liked to adjust the co-op's rheostat way down when Joelle wasn't home and haul out the diskettes and make jiffy-pop and watch her little 10-second clips of him over and over. He saw something different each time he rewound, something more. The clips of him punting unfolded like time-lapsing flowers and seemed to reveal him in ways he could have never engineered. He sat, rapt. It only happened when he watched them alone. Sometimes he got an erection. He never (laughs) masturbated. Joelle came home. Still in the last stages of a late pre- puberty and the prettiness getting visibly worse day by day, <laughs> Joelle had been maiden still when Orrin met her. She'd been shunned theretofore, both at BU and shiny prize Boaz consolidated. The beauty had repelled every comer. She devoted her life to her twirling and amateur film. Disney Leith said she had the knack. Her camera hand was rock steady. Even the early clips from the start of the YW season looked shot off a tripod
0: year of the whopper first year right
1: yes correct good memory uh there'd been no audio in the sophomore clips and you could hear the high-pitched noise of the cartridge in the tp's disc drive a cartridge revolving at a digital digital diskette's 450 rpm sounds a bit like a distant vacuum cleaner <laughs> late night car noises and sirens drifted in through the bars from as far away as the storo 500 silence was not part of what Oren was after watching joel housekeeps like a fiend the place is always sterile the resemblance to the mom's housekeeping he finds a bit creepy except joel doesn't mind a mess or give everybody the creeps worrying about hiding that she minds it so nobody's <laughs> feelings will be hurt with joel the mess just disappears sometime during the night and you wake up and the place is sterile it's like elves that was all a parenthetical uh <laughs> soon after he started watching the clips in his junior year Oren had blasted up Comm's Hill and brought Joelle back a Bolex-compatible Tatsuoka recorder with sync pulse, a cardioid mic, a low-end tripod with a Barney to muffle the Bolex's whir, a classy Pilotone blooper and sync pulse cords, a hole or a copia. It took Lee three weeks to teach her to use the Pilotone. Now the clips had sound. Orin had trouble has trouble not burning the Jiffy Pop popcorn. It tends to burn as the foil top inflates. You have to take it off the stove before the foil forms a dome. Mm. No microwave popcorn for Oren even then. He liked to dim the track lights when Joelle was out and haul the, out the cartridge rack and watch her little 10-second clips of his punts over and over. Here he is back against Delaware in the second home game of YTMP. The sky is dull and pale. The five Yankee conference flags, U-Vermont and UNH now history, are all right out straight with the gale off the Charles for which Nickerson Field is infamous. It's fourth down, obviously. So you punt every time there's a fourth down. Sorry, I'm such an idiot, right? Well,
0: you either make the down or yeah, when, or you can go for it on fourth. You can
1: go for it or you can punt. But
0: I guess people usually punt. punt.
1: Uh, thousands of kilos. God, I'm, so, I'm so sorry. Bad at I football. have attended football games.
0: Football sucks. It's so stupid. Uh, it's a bad sport.
1: Thousands of kilos of padded meat assume four point stances and chuff at each other, poised to charge and stave. Orrin is twelve yards back from scrimmage, his cleated feet together, his weight just ahead of himself, his mismatched arms out before him in the attitude of blind. The blind before walls. His eyes are fixed on the distant grass-stained valentine of the center's ass. His stance, waiting to receive the snap, is not unlike a diver's, he sees. Nine men on line, four pointed, poised to stave off ten men's assault. The other team's deep back is back to receive, 70 yards away or more. The fullback, whose sole job is to keep Oren from harm, is ahead and to the left, bent at the knees, his taped fists together and elbows out like a winged thing, ready to hurl itself at whatever breaches the line and comes at the punter. Joelle's equipment isn't quite pro-caliber, but her technique is very good. By junior year, there's also color. There's only one sound, and it is utter, the crowd's noise and its response to that noise building. Oren's back against Delaware, Ready, his helmet a bright non-contact white uh, and his head's insides scrubbed free for 10 seconds of every thought not connected to receiving the long snap and stepping m- martially forward to lob the leather egg beyond sight at an altitude that makes the wind no factor. Madame pigot gets it all, zooming in from the opposite end zone. She gets his timing. A punt's timing is minutely precise, like a Serbs. It's like a solo dance. She gets the ungodly whump against and above the crowd's of vowels climax. She captures the pendular 180-degree arc of Oren's leg, the gluteal follow-through that puts his cleats laces way over his helmet, the perfect right angle between leg and turf. Her technique is superb on the Delaware debacle. Oren can just barely take reviewing. The one time all year, the big chuffing center oversnaps and arcs the ball over Oren's upraised hands, so that by the time he's run back and grabbed the crazy bouncing thing ten yards further back, the Delaware defense has breached the line, or through the line, the fullback supine and trampled, all ten rushers rushing, wanting nothing more than personal physical contact with Oren and his leather egg. Joel gets him sprinting, a three-meter le- lateral burst, as he avoids the few first <laughs> sets of hands and the beefy curling lips, and but is just about to get personally contacted and knocked out of his cleats by the Delaware's strong safety flying in on a slant from way outside. When the tiny .5 sector of digital space, each punts programmed to required, runs out and the crowd sound moves and dies and you hear the disc drive stalled at the terminal bite and Oren's chin-strapped plastic barred face is there on the giant viewer, frozen and high deaf in his helmet right before impact. Zoomed in on with a quality lens, of particular interest are the eyes.
0: Wow, that's a good. The the whole thing is a very good passage. Very good. A very uh, op, uh, I don't know, operatic. Some, uh, maybe that's not the right word, but uh, yeah, sweeping it's sweeping in, uh, in 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 its scope.
1: It's so the 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 scenes and how they are told is so. So, so good. Yeah. Like how it, nothing just happens. It's recounted by someone who saw it. Or yes. Or it's, you know, in a weird parenthetical that acknowledges dramatic irony, which is that we know that Joelle is not just using cocaine recreationally. Mm-hmm. She's getting high and cleaning in the middle of the night. That's yes. not recreational.
0: Uh, it, her budding relationship with J.O.
1: The Just the detail of them. Oh my god! Uh,
0: them stumbling around in the stumbling around in yeah.
1: Toronto, and and, and himself being the, is impressing the like, yeah her with his his cab hailing, and he's sitting there with a like looking stupid in a turtleneck, yeah, watching as his dad Mr. basically Steal your his his girl.
0: girlfriend, yeah, uh,
1: totally devastating. Yes,
0: and the the and this coupled with, I mean, we I know we broke this chapter up, but the the whole sweep of this chapter from. The his like background in the school and the tennis and the transferring and it's great.
1: You just, I think, I'm not actually sure how much even more of Oren we get in this book. Mm-hmm. Like this might actually be one of the only characterizing passages Yeah. Um, I think we like swoop away from him after a while. Uh, aside from some phone calls with with Hal, yeah. But it's I'm like, what else do you need to know?
0: I mean, you get that guy's kind of entire life, his whole Th- life. That coupled with just the brief <laughs> image of him flying in as the Cardinals <laughs> flying into the game, and and knowing, you know, no, yeah, knowing that being you know, the at the sad hotel, chance. uh, you know, soaking his oh soaking yeah, his leg. like he's
1: in Arizona alone. Yeah. He's he's like he's got addiction problems but they're he's he's sex um, addicted
0: the bird falling in yeah
1: oh man it is it is very greek I know the the um Mm -hmm. the action uh was a complex is like a sort of a joke of how beautiful joel is but there is something like he is truly like especially my god the relationship with his mom his mom mom was coming to practice yeah his his college tennis practice just the, the details you get about how fucked up that relationship is. Yeah. And,
0: and then that the, the first the...
1: comparison he has with Joel is like, oh, well, he makes my mom look like some pe- pile of rotting fruit.
0: Yes. And the the tennis coach being like, is your mom going to keep coming to Is <laughs> being your mom's uh, Just
1: totally stunning. The thing the thing of the first time they speak of Joel and, and Oren is that Oren goes from being so afraid to talk to her to working up this theory of spirituality as mm-hmm. as during
0: of the roar of the crown
1: the idea that he he's like he is an entertainer and yes. she's not a, she doesn't want to be in it she doesn't want to be perceived she wants to be on the, the other she side she wants to be the perceiver what she really wants to do is direct
0: <laughs> but what she really wants to do is direct
1: and then this idea that oh I'll uh it's 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 cute that she she, you know, she wants to be a filmmaker. I'll, I'll, I'll buy her. I'll, a I'll little support lens. this.
0: I'll, uh, I'll go up to the, the the tennis academy. I was supposing that he was either stealing or uh, like arranging to get video gear from the tennis academy. Um,
1: I think he was just ho- hooking it up from yeah. from nepotism. Nepot- a little nepotismo. Little nepotism. But uh, it, just and like n- then Nickerson just think, thinking that she's gonna she has this like academic interest. And then he unwittingly puts her on to the thing that takes her away from him, mm-hmm. which is that. And because his father was also interested in film late in life, like it wasn't until later, like his his late creative burst, which basically dovetails with her interest in things. The
0: the the nature of these videos is very funny to me because it, it, everything the way that he describes cartridges is, is like. They almost seem like vines where you can only record like ten seconds of a time or like Yeah, like like disc space. Yeah, like all of um JO's movies seem like they're about two minutes long.
1: He's I will say, he is what I'm not sure what the technology was like at this time, but he is kind of inventing the concept of digital video Mm -hmm. viewed digitally.
0: Yes. I mean, yeah, these these super short cartridges things. I mean, that the thing that's different is the replaceable cartridge. But you know, yeah. quick shareable two minute videos. Hmm, that sounds like some kind of uh thing that I can think of that rhymes with big <laughs> <laughs> Click click clock. Click clip clop.
1: Oh, that was such a good um, segment. My God.
0: Oh, I have another or thing. Yes. So for listeners of Chapo Trap House. Um, If you listen to this week's premium episode, there was described a vast system of uh, of secret domestic spies, some of whom use uh, elaborate latex masks uh, to to describe themselves, some of which can even switch gender. And as Will was reading that segment, all I could think of was the uh, the Quebecois spies in his uh, in his female attire
1: oh yeah steeply. steeply Hugh slash Helen
0: Hugh slash Helen steeply in his latex bad female attire
1: or or the, the telephony the videophony uh, mask that people would put on to make themselves look look hotter than they originally yes. were yes and ta- tableaus and such uh,
0: tableaus and th- things of that nature oh man yeah um, do
1: you agree that um, you one percent of life is in your control and the other 99.9 is is out and how you live is basically just reacting to or is is feeling okay with not being able to control things
0: I would fiddle those percentages a, a little <laughs> bit but I mean I do appreciate the things that his his application of destiny there and like the i I do kind of agree that the harder you try to control things the more uncontrollable they will be mm-hmm uh but I don't know you can do things in life we you have agents one has agency
1: maybe the percentage slides depending on how much privilege you have
0: I guess but also you like we, one one can do things you can make choices that that affect the world I believe that uh,
1: Yeah I think that's true but I think it's the idea that it's very much there there but for the grace of dot 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 like
0: you know I could go, I could even- go
1: out and to get a coffee and that would be a choice. Oh. But me getting hit by a car on the way to go get a coffee would not <laughs> yeah, be a choice. Yeah, he's, but
0: he's even referencing it in the positive. You're, that is in the negative aspect, as in like a plane could crash into this building right now and we'd both die. Or and I could find could a million n- dollars on the ground. But uh, yeah, it's his, the way that he's talking about that Fate Destiny stuff is more like, you know, just returning the, in the sense of like choosing to return the punt demonstrates that you're an, ex- uh, an excellent punter. Or something like that, more than going out for the team and trying to like place yourself on the team. So that's the difference, right? It's the the thing that you attempt to do versus the uh the thing that you stumble into doing. Yeah. Uh, and I guess well, I guess the negative would be the one in a million hit on the existing punter.
1: Sure. I think. I mean. I guess I'm just thinking of it more because I do. I personally, I feel like I do control, I try to control a lot of things and it does lead me further astray from what I'm meant to be doing, which I still don't know. Mm. (laughs) That's a problem for another day. Oh, what to do? What should I do?
0: uh well we gotta go to the botanical garden immediately
1: that's a good first step i guess yeah so yeah.
0: get to the bronx
1: okay we're
0: going to the we're
1: going to the new york botanical garden in the bronx in new york bronx, new york uh look at some flowers and then eat some italian food
0: yeah that sounds like a good afternoon to me
1: maybe that's the thing maybe i don't maybe i should stop worrying about what to do and just go look at some flowers and eat some spaghetti
0: that sounds uh, like a good first step. Okay. To the first moment to the rest of your life sure. is look at a flower and eat a spaghetti.
1: Yeah. Maybe that's what life really is all about.
0: It's about stopping to smell the roses and <laughs> stopping to slurp the noodle. <laughs> 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 oh, it's true. Uh, yeah. I'm,
1: oh, it hurts. The tru- truth hurts. Oh and man, am I going to get a
0: spicy meatball later. My God. Perhaps a rigatone.
1: I just want some garlic bread.
0: Uh, 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 square a square of lasagne a uh,
1: square uh, of lasagne
0: a gnoc,
1: a gnoc? N- truth gnocchi's not my favorite it's uh, very I get sick of I get sick of them I want like three yes. but then I want some other stuff too an
0: appetizer serving of gnocchi would be good yeah. some places do that Yeah. Um,
1: spare gnocchi
0: could I get uh, clams and linguine
1: <gasps> linguine alla vongole.
0: yes Oh boy! I'm. I'm I always like I just a, ate that sandwich on mic and now I'm already hungry for for Italian. I
1: like a simple bolognese.
0: Ooh, just a meaty red sauce. Mm-hmm. Well, uh Clearly. I'm, I'm going to publish this before we go. If you listen to this before uh, 6 p.m. Eastern time on this Saturday, <laughs> May 21st, uh, at me, what kind of 22nd? But yeah. May 22nd, uh, uh, at me, what kind of a spaghetti I should eat tonight? <laughs> just at me and Molly, your favorite spaghetti spaghetti orders. <laughs> And tell help us consider. Sound
1: off sound off.
0: Sound off in the comments. Spaghetti, yeah. yes or no?
1: Spaghetti, folks, do we love it? Do we, we hate it? Do
0: we love it? Do we hate it? We're gonna figure <laughs> out if spaghetti is good or not.
1: Yo, is that spaghetti any good? <laughs>
0: All right. Bye.
1: Bye.